Welcome to this edition of the Morrinsville Baptist Podcast. Uh, It's great to have you listening in and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, If you'd like to know any more information about Morrinsville Baptist Church, please check out our website at www.morrinsvillebaptist.com. Thank you, Richard. Good morning, everyone. Those that are here, morning to those who are online. Afternoon to those that will watch it later because you're busy watching the rugby. I was uh, of two minds preaching this morning, focusing on that and wondering what was happening in the rugby. Bob and Stu are two brothers that lived in, uh, in a rural town. And uh, Bob and Stu were quite well known in the town, but unfortunately for the wrong reasons. And also unfortunately, um, Stu died. And so Bob uh, goes to the local pastor and he says to the pastor, he said, listen, he said, I know Stu had his faults, but uh, I really would like during his service if you could just refer to Stu as a saint. And so um, the pastor says, well, sorry, Bob, but we all know he was drunk. We all know he was a womanizer. We all knew that he was violent. And uh, it would be incredibly hypocritical of me to uh, refer to him as a saint. And so Bob says to the pastor, he said, well, pastor, he said, there's a sizable donation coming your way if you do. And he said, I also would really dislike to see anything bad happen to the church. So the pastor considered this for a moment and he goes, Okay, Bob, I'll, I'll do that. So the day comes at the funeral and uh, the pastor's up the front and he's speaking. He goes, now, he said, we all here know that um, Stu was, uh, was, was a drunk and we all know that he was a womanizer. We all know that he was uh, particularly violent, but he said, compared to Bob, he was a saint. <laughs> and so I want to um, expand on uh, Matthew 15 as we continue in our series in Matthew and uh, my topic is heart health and soul condition. So I want us to examine our hearts and just see with uh, those things whether the, the things that we, we do penetrate into our soul. So uh, if you just uh, either have your Bibles or listen to me I'll read and I'm just going to do the first 11 verses. Um, so um, there's, there's about four sermons in chapter 15, so I'll just deal with the first part of it. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your traditions? For God commanded, saying, Honour your father and your mother, and he, who curses, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whatever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have, receive from me as a gift to God. Then he need not honour his father or mother. Thus you have made your commandments of God of no effect by your traditions. Hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, and here's a stark warning, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching, teaching as doctrines 
the commandments of men. When he had called the multitudes to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. What goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of his mouth, sorry, what, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. God bless his word. So just to quick, quickly, briefly sum that up, we've got the, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees who uh, um, have come all the way from Jerusalem. They'd brought, they'd brought the big guns in um, to sort them out, and uh, they'd come from Jerusalem, and they were saying that, you know, why aren't you and the disciples following the commandments that we have about washing of hands? And so Jesus says to them, well, wh- why have you decided that if you're giving money towards kingdom's causes, that's money you don't have to give to look after your mum and dad. That's a very simple version of what was going on here. But the interesting thing about these 11 verses is there's some very clear warnings in there for us. The warnings that I see when I read that is, is, uh, is God telling us we need to keep his commandments. He's also telling us that we need to, that you need to honour him with your heart and not your lips. It needs to be more than lip service. It also tells us and warns us not to worship him in vain. It also tells us that it's not what goes through the lips that is the problem. Well, it is a problem for me sometimes, but he's saying what goes through the lips is not a problem, but what comes out of the lips is from the heart. So what we say is a reflection of what's in our heart. Although they may, and the other warning I take from this is although there may be many living around us who live in a similar way, be careful that you're not just the blind being led by the blind and that those people will end up in a ditch and separated from God. So we have these stark warnings that have come in relation to looking at the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, before we cast the scribes and the Pharisees under the bus, which we are very often tempted to do, as soon as we heard Pharisees, Sadducees, scribe, we go, bad, 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 throw them on the bus. Before we do that, what virtues did the Pharisees pursue that many of us pursue today? Where's the similarities? What were the Pharisees and the scribes pursuing? There's a number of them that I believe relate to us. They were pursuing wealth and money. That's one thing in my study of the Pharisees that they were in pursuit of. Reputation was very important to them. They were certainly looking for the, uh, the better things of life. They wanted to enjoy life and the things that it offered. They certainly uh, wanted to be healthy so they could enjoy those things. They were uh, clearly concerned about their appearance. They spent a lot of time on making sure that uh, they presented themselves well, um, particularly in the way they dressed and performed. They were very educated. They, 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 they were very educated, particularly in the Word of God, and, uh, and that's something they pursued. They pursued relationships because of their standing in the community. They enjoyed the fellowship and the friendship of so many people around them. Uh, they were obviously pursuing good marriages and they wanted to have children um, that, uh, that they could enjoy and they also pursued godly living. So if these things are the things that they pursued, it's kind of sounding a little bit like you and me. And hence I say, let's, be, let's not be so hasty to throw them under the bus. 
So if the Pharisees and scribes of the day were pursuing very similar things that we are today, what is wrong with these things that we pursue? What is actually wrong with the things that they pursue? So I'm going to go through this list of things that, uh, that we as, as everyday human beings pursue anyway and find out what does the Word of God have to say about these particular things. And I want you, as I uh, read these verses, and uh, I want you to listen to them carefully because it's not me talking. It's God himself talking to you. Unfortunately, I lack a lot of wisdom. But when it comes to the Word of God, it lacks nothing. So I want you to listen to these verses and just see what God wants to tell you about these things. So the first one we're going to look at is wealth and money. In 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up them, their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Now you may be sitting here, um, here or at home thinking, I'm not wealthy, but I've um, got bad news for you. In the context of our world, if you live in New Zealand and you've got a roof over your head, you are amongst the wealthy. So it does apply to us. Reputation, a good reputation is important. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver and gold. What does the Word of God say about enjoyment, the enjoyment of life? Ecclesiastes 2.24 So I decided there is nothing better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realised that these pleasures are from the hand of God. For who can eat and enjoy anything apart from him? God gives wisdom, knowledge and joy to those who please him. This is meaningless and is like chasing the wind. If God's not in it, you're not going to enjoy it. And we see that so often in our world today. We look at people in a worldly context that seem to have everything and yet they're not happy. You know why? Because God's not in it. What does the Bible tell us about health? Proverbs 3 verses 7 and 8 says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. What does the Word of God have to say about an appearance? And appearance is something that's important to us. I'm not too sure why God didn't bless me more in that department. But I'm just very pleased what he didn't give to me, he gave to my wife, Lynn. Psalms 139, 14 says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. 
Your workmanship is marvellous. How well I know it. What does God have to tell us about our education? Proverbs 16.16 16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver. Again, we see this theme coming through these things that God wants us to, uh, to help us to, um, to, uh, to be better Christians and enjoy our life. And we see this common theme that there's so many things that are more important than money. So many things that are more important than money. We'll come to that later. What about our relationships? What does the Bible have to tell us about our relationships? 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. What does God want to tell us about marriage and our sexuality? Matthew 19 verses 4 and 5 says, Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. And then into 1 Corinthians 7. Verses 3 to 5, it says this. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of the sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the question going through your mind is, why would you stand up the front and go there? <laughs> but my point is this. My point is this. No matter what you're dealing with in life, your answers are here in the Word of God. Whatever you will be facing, if you're wanting an answer, that makes sense, it's all in the Word of God here. And that just highlights that exact point. God is so intently interested in everything about us and what we do. What does the Word of God tell us about children? Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 7 says, Listen, the Lord is our God and Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, and when you are on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you get up. Giving advice about raising children seems to be a subject that we don't like to talk about. Strange, isn't it? Such an intently integral part of so many of our lives and yet it's almost a subject we put in the taboo category and you don't talk about it. 
after our 21-year-old son James was taken to heaven, a counsellor asked me, asked me this. It's not Alan Davey. I do have more than one friend. He asked me this. What advice would you give about raising children in reflection of your loss? Was the question. So I pondered that briefly and I deeply apologise to anyone that this brings um, hard feelings up for you. But it's something I need to say. My answer was this. This could have been worse. Imagine if we did not have the assurance that James was in heaven. I continued and I said, if parents considered for a moment losing a son or a daughter without faith, they would be more intentional in the way they lived their own Christian lives. And they would realise that lessons are not taught, they are learnt from the examples that they see every day and would do all they can to know God more deeply themselves so their children could grow up to know God the same. I want you to really think about that. When you are raising your children, you have the absolute privilege of giving them a gift of knowledge. And that's knowledge in the way that you walk, you talk, you pray, you, you behave, you react. There are sponges that are watching you. And you have the opportunity to give them the knowledge of God so that they are in a position where they can accept him as his personal saviour. That's what God's given them, them to you for. So I ask that your life reflects what you want them to see. A quote that I found very interesting was, having children is like having your heart walking around outside your body. I think Steve Jobs tried to claim that, but I'm pretty sure it was quoted before him. Having children is like having your heart walking around outside your body. So another question I have is, is if these are the things that the Pharisees pursued and they were looking for, and they were the things that, that we pursue ourselves, so if none of these are wrong, what's the problem? If none of these things are wrong and the Word of God tells us how we should respond to them, what's the problem? The heart of the problem is the heart. The heart of the problem is the heart. No one would obedience, no one would devotion, no inward commitment to the things of God, there will be no inward change. I found this question incredibly challenging. And I want you to seriously consider this question. When you view, when we view our everyday life, how much of it is involved in reading our Bibles praying to God, reflecting, considering, and discussing the things of God. When we review our everyday, how much of it is involved in reading our Bibles, reflecting, praying, considering, and discussing the things of God.
Is it 10 minutes? Is it 30 minutes of our day? Is it an hour of our day? Is it two? What would it be for you? How is your faith interwoven with our everyday life? Because the time we spend on these things in our everyday life is a fair reflection of our heart. When we continue in Matthew 15, we, uh, we continue and hear about um, Jesus' healing of a demon-possessed girl. And one thing that's caught my attention lately, and it's something we discussed at study on Tuesday night, was so often when we read in the Bible about the miracles of Jesus, he's casting out demons. Have you ever noticed that? On so many accounts. And I think what it highlights to us is that we are in a spiritual battle every day. In every moment of every day, there is a force of good and a force of evil working in against each other. And whether we believe it or not, the reality is, this is our every day. This is what we're dealing with. But obviously spiritual warfare is a whole other sermon. But it's something that we need to be more aware of than we already are. If we're not studying our Bibles, if we're not praying and reflecting or considering or discussing the things of God in our daily lives, we are losing this spiritual battle. I'll say it again. If we are not reading our Bibles, praying, reflecting, considering and discussing the things of God in our daily lives, we are losing the spiritual battle. Proverbs 4 verse 20 and listen to what God has to say. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet, stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked, keep your feet from following evil. Let's be completely honest with ourselves. Where is our heart really? Let us self-examine this morning where our heart is. We can fool others and we can even fool ourselves, but we certainly cannot fool God. Romans 11 verse 33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can even 
Who can knows enough even to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And then we continue in the chapter chapter 12 and it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I know this morning I've quoted a lot of scripture. And again, I say that is not by mistake. Because I cannot say it anywhere near like God does. But my point is again, if you're looking for answers in life, look here. This is where it is. This is God himself speaking to us. If you want to know God, we must read our Bibles daily. This is where the battle is won and lost. Because you understand when we read the Word of God, it goes into our mind, and then it penetrates our heart, and then it flows back out. This is where the battle for the heart is won and lost. Get your head right, and your heart will follow. In my darkest days, one of the things that has helped me the most is the Word of God. In those days when nothing made sense, this was the only answer I could find. So no matter what you're dealing with in life, your answer's here. you just got to find it. And if you pray to the Lord to show you, he will show you. If we lose the battle of the heart, we will lose a lot more than we could ever imagine. My question again is, How's your heart health and your soul condition? Let's pray. Lord, um, we thank you that you are so intently interested in each one of us that uh, you know everything about us. Your word tells us that you knew us before we were even conceived. Lord, we thank you that you love us this much. But Lord, we just... Uh, really need to examine our hearts before you. We know that you have a life and a plan for us and yet we stray from it because we do not want to follow your plan. Lord, we thank you that as we uh, go through the, uh, the trials of life that the word of God has every answer that we would need. Lord, I pray that each one of us would examine ourselves and get to that place where we would search your scriptures and hear from you that these things will penetrate our mind, change our hearts, and through that will change our actions. Lord, for, for any of those of us that have been deeply challenged, we ask that you not, us, not let us sit comfortable until we see change. Help us to do the things we need to do to know and love you better. So Lord, we give you thanks and praise because we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.